climb. I can't imagine where they get it. But they climb on everything. They climb on cabinets, on drawers, on towel racks in the bathroom. They climb on the dresser in my bedroom. They climb on the headboard of our bed. (laughs) But what they really love to climb are trees. Now, my house has two options for scale of trees. There are the old oak trees, the live oaks, which are gigantic to children. I mean, they're big to me. They're hard to climb, but they're and you're so big around. Definitely out of their league. And then there are the smaller trees. We have a small plum tree. We have an orange tree. But the boys prefer <laughs> to climb the camellia tree. <laughs> Our camellia, like most, has abundant flowers. You know, it's, a, it, it's beautiful. It's a very mature tree. So we get tons of flowers. And ours are red. But this is a small tree. Eight foot max. And that's like if you're just absolutely generous. The bark is smooth, and the branches are thin, delicate. Even under the weight of five- and three-year-olds, the thickest branches bend. Somehow, these tiny branches are always just enough to hold them. enough. Such is the case for Jesus in Luke's depiction of the triumphal entry today. Jesus has just enough. Just enough to support his weight. Just enough to celebrate a ministry that is changing the world. Just enough to keep Jesus from being killed right then and there. Let's Break that down. First of all, I know it's Palm Sunday, as we talked about, but in Luke, as we read, there are no palms. The crowd in Luke sets down cloaks, cloaks, not even not palms and not even branches, which is what we get in some of the other Gospels. We get branches and things from the fields. And here, the crowd are specifically disciples. In contrast to other Gospels where all of Jerusalem comes out, Luke has only disciples gathered, which is significant. It will be significant. Here, Jesus borrows a colt, right? Not a donkey, as in John, or a colt and a donkey in Matthew. But... Jesus' disciples somehow managed to borrow a cold simply by repeating the phrase, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. It is, it's a powerful phrase. You know, if we, if we buy into that, it's a powerful phrase. I don't know if it would convince me to like loan some stranger my car, which is what we're looking at, the culture equivalent, but it is strong. 
And apparently, in this tale, that message is enough. It works. The disciples bring the colt. Jesus gets on. And like my kids on the camellia tree, a grown man like Jesus would look tenuous riding a colt. Right? Do you understand what we're looking at here? This is not a horse. This is not a grown animal. This is, this is a, something that can barely hold the weight. Just barely hold him. But it is enough. It is enough for Jesus, who owns no animal. It is enough for him to be paraded. In the ancient world, particularly in Roman culture, having a public parade in your honor was the highest honor. It was called a triumph, the honor bestowed upon victors of battle and kings. And here, Jesus is being welcomed like a king or a warrior. Here, outside the city, near the gate that opened up to Judea and Israel, the people are honoring Jesus the same way that the people would have honored Pilate and the other Roman dignitaries as they come in from the other gate, through the Jaffa gate. Right? You see what's happening? So this would have happened as Pilate was coming in around this time at another gate. There would have been people lined up, maybe some of them paid, to pay tribute to Pilate as he is coming in. In contrast, we have Jesus coming in from the, from the people's gate. And how does the crowd address Jesus? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. King. Look, this has explicit political implications. The king who comes representing God as opposed to Caesar. Remember, Caesar is supposed to be divine, right? Even the money declares Caesar divine. This is old school, our God, Adonai Eloheinu, not your God, Baal. Not your foreign God or idol. This means a lot, and it was dangerous. If the Romans heard that what, all this that was going on, welcoming a king, welcoming another, somebody coming in the name of the Lord, they would kill Jesus and probably some of the other folks that were gathered there screaming this out. It was extraordinarily dangerous. That's why you get the Pharisees saying, order your disciples to stop. Apparently, this was a threat to all in power from the religious folks to the occupying Romans. This party was just big enough to honor Jesus as king without him being killed immediately. Following Jesus always was and always will be risky. 
Loving God and neighbor has political implications. Loving God means not always bowing down to capitalism and consumerism. It means not worshiping any nation or symbol. Loving neighbor can put us at odds with a nation that imprisons people who seek political asylum. It means studying the histories of slavery and racism and xenophobia and acknowledging the part that we per- play in perpetuating those histories. Following Jesus, loving God and neighbor is risky, but it will always be enough. Throughout Lent, we have been studying this theme of enough. We've considered what it means to have enough resources, enough food, water, and money. We've pondered what it means to have enough time, and we... and what it means for us to be enough in light of God's grace. And throughout this period, we have had the quote on the back of our bulletins that we talked about a little bit last week from Walter Brueggemann. He said, honoring the Sabbath is a form of witness. Doing what we do as a community is a form of witness. It tells the world that there is enough. Brueggemann goes on to say, Too often, the church has understood God's unconditional grace as solely a theological phenomenon, instead of recognizing that it has to do with the reordering of the economy of the world. That is a powerful statement that probably makes us a little uncomfortable. It sounds like we're part of a Marxist revolution. Brueggemann is talking about distribution of wealth, but he is talking about it in a totally different context than Marx. The context of faith, the context of fidelity. He is suggesting suggesting a reordering of our priority, of our economy, in such a way that we live into our relationship with God and neighbor. Faith changes who we are and how we relate to the world. The life of faith, the way of Jesus, looks like a borrowed donkey and says, that'll do. That's enough. It looks to people laying down coats and says, that's enough. In anything and everything, the message is enough. You have enough, you are enough, and enough is enough. The time has come. The time has come for us to enter the big city, to walk up to the walls of injustice and be present. Be present to the 733,000 people currently seeking political asylum in the United States. Be present to the 24,722 courageous women who have declared me too, publicly, publicly. Just a fraction of those who are out there. Be present to our LGBTQ sisters and brothers who are so often rejected in communities of faith. As the body of Christ, we are called to the walls of injustice. We know how this story will go, right? We know what's coming this week. Jesus will die. 
the body of Christ will be beaten and shamed and tortured to death. But even then, the message is enough. Amen.